how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 403, where I sat down with Lee Sung Jin, also known as Sonny Lee, to talk about his new series, Beef. Uh, before we dig in, I do want to mention I'm giving away 100,000 copies of my first book, Ink by the Barrel. You can go get your copy right now at brockswinson.com. That's B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, based on this podcast and the over 400 interviews I've done with screenwriters, directors, actors, musicians, authors, and more. So go steal your copy right now. That's a digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Now let's talk about Lee Sung Jin, the creator of the series Beef. If you're not familiar with Lee, he's got writing credits on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Outsource, Two Broke Girls, Silicon Valley, and Dave, and most recently the show Beef, starring Ali Wong and Stephen Yen. In this episode, we talk about having writing partners at an early age, becoming a showrunner and what that means, the inspiration for beef, thinking about character, and we talk about some advice Lee wishes he had as a novice writer. I didn't realize this until pretty late. Um, I went to college at University of Pennsylvania and I was an economics major and I thought I was going to get into investment banking. Uh, didn't feel right at any point of my entire college career. And um, I, I was really flailing about in New York, unemployed, just temping a lot. Um, and uh, I had gotten into the NBC Page program at 30 Rockefeller. Uh, you know, this was pre-30 Rock, you know, pre-Kenneth the Page existing. Uh, but <laughs> I gave studio tours for $10 an hour. And that was really my first kind of glimpse into the entertainment industry. And um, I just, you know, loved TVs and movies growing up, as we all do. And um, I just thought, I'd, I, uh, why not give it a go? And um, uh, I just studied a lot of, uh, you know, books and kind of uh, read a lot of blogs and kind of self-taught uh, uh, screenwriting and um, mm -hmm. really loved every second of it. I, I just I found myself staying in most weekends. And I, I knew that you know, when you find your passion, you just like can't help but like keep working at it. And so uh, uh, in my early 20s is when I kind of discovered that maybe this might be a career path. So I don't know if I would describe your work this way, but did that job lead you to an interest in sitcoms or were like friends told you you were funny? Anything like that at the time? Um, well, back then, I actually had a writing partner, um, Patrick Walsh, uh, who was very, very funny, um, very comedic. And so uh, I uh, kind of naturally followed his lead. Uh, you know, we, I, we both enjoyed sitcoms quite a bit. Uh, um, and uh, I think our, the first thing we wrote together was a scrub spec. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so you, you, 
I think in your twenties, don't give it a lot of thought. You don't even really give a lot of thought about like writing partnerships either. You know, no one tells you you're going to like be like deeply intricately <laughs> entangled for the rest of your life. And uh, you're just like, Oh, you enjoy writing. I enjoy writing. I I, I love scrubs. Yeah, let's try it. So you, you don't do much thought uh, when you dive in, or at least we didn't. And then suddenly, you know, we were starting to gain some traction and some success and then you get agents and you move out here and then you're well on your way and you're suddenly entrenched in a very like comedy, comedy track. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, but I learned a lot from, you know, from those days, uh, especially those early comedy days. It's, it's a great training ground for a writer because um, there's a lot of math and formula to comedy writing um, that I think you absorb those fundamentals uh, when you spend a lot of time in those rooms, um, uh, which makes, you know, writing something like beef much easier. So a lot of those early jobs, you're trying to match a showrunner's voice for creator's voice. Um, You worked on Always Sunny, Silicon Valley, Dave, all these shows are very unique. Was there a point somewhere in your career where you can kind of remember, oh, this is my voice. Anything that like stood out to you about a joke or an episode or anything like that? Um, I think that there wasn't necessarily a moment. It was a gradual, uh, sort of creeping feeling, um, because early in my career, and I think, I think in a lot of people's careers, you're just kind of copying and mimicking, you know, you're almost trying to like, look around and be like, does someone have the answers to the test? Uh, (laughs) You're like, oh, is that what's cool and funny now? Let me try to mimic that. Um, so a lot of, especially my early stuff, uh, uh, especially in the writing partnership was along the lines of just kind of what was working comedically in the zeitgeist at the time. Um, but I think slowly as you get more comfortable as a human in your own skin, then your writing starts to reflect who you are more. And, uh, and that, that wasn't an overnight thing. It was definitely a gradual, long, arduous process through a lot of therapy of trying to be okay with being me and um, but I think especially in the last couple of years, the last couple of shows, I've started to, I think, discover that more, um, you know, undone. Uh, you know, I love Kate Purdy. She's an incredible writer, incredible showrunner. Uh, that show touched a lot of themes that uh, you know, started to get me very excited. The surrealism, um, I think, on Dave, the Enlightened Dave episode that I wrote with Love Rocket, uh, very proud of because um, it feels very like uh, me in a lot of ways, the sort of surrealism and the looking at ego. I mean, that show is wholly Dave. So I, I don't want to take credit, uh, too much credit because Dave Bird is uh, like every, every aspect of that show is Dave Bird. But, um, you know, I think those little things along the way helped me confirm like, oh, these are some, these are themes that I love talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until beef really that, uh, I was like, oh, this, this is wholly me. Like, this is a true expression of, of my insides. Were you like the last couple of writing jobs you had? Were you um, like the ambitious nature of like, I want to be a showrunner someday? Because it is happening faster for people. Some writers are kind of almost overnight compared to what it used to be. You know, um, how did you start to prepare for that? Were you always kind of trying to be on set more in earlier jobs and that kind of thing? A great question. Um, yeah, I think the business kind of forces you to, even if you, whether you want it or not, they're just like, 
write a pilot, write a, you know, we got to set up your pilot. And so every year, you know, I would sell a pilot and it, and it wouldn't get made. Um, and so uh, it, that definitely made me start to think more about why isn't it getting made and, and um, trying to improve my writing in that regard. So uh, there was always the goal of wanting to set up your own thing, but it, it, it was definitely, um, you know, a learning process to evolve my writing to, to make that happen. But then in terms of the act of filmmaking, um, yeah, I, I, I think that is being on set more. Um, you know, I got to I got to be on set uh, for for Dave a, a lot more. Um, the different shows. Uh, I mean, even Always Sunny, my first job, Rob, Charlie and Glenn let me be on set, uh, capturing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And so that was really informative. Um, and I think uh, but outside of the work experiences, I really made it a point over the last five years to um, try to like learn the fundamentals, not just of writing, but of, of filmmaking. Um, a lot of conversations with Jake Schreier, my producing director, trying to like learn the the basic like fundamentals of why things cut together, where the cameras needs to be, how to how camera and narrative work together. Uh, I'd oftentimes pick Hiro Marai's brain. Um, uh, you know, we, we worked together on, uh, on developing something um, for a little bit. Uh, just trying to immerse myself in people that I really respect and admire and absorb as much as I can to to prepare myself for something like this. Right. Ironically, coming back to the the original economics major, you're kind of doing some a lot of business stuff now as, as that new role. Um, to, so I would assume beef came from the, the I would assume the origin came from like a road rage idea. But where did the idea come from? Yeah, uh, there, there was a there was a real life road rage thing that happened. It involved a white SUV, just like the show, except for in real life it was a BMW. And um, uh, it, it wasn't that dramatic. It, it was just mostly this guy honking and cursing at me, driving off. And I was like, eh, I'm going to follow you. And then, <laughs> you know, I in my car was just like, I'm just going to commute home and I'm going to happen to be behind him. If he goes another way, I'm not going to follow him. This is just my commute home. And I'm listening to like happy music and probably on the phone with someone just driving. And, uh, but we happen to be going miles and miles in the same direction. <laughs> and so I think in his mind, he started to feel like, Oh, this lunatic is like following me for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and so that, was the initial spark of, oh, we're all so trapped in our subjective realities and we project so many assumptions onto each other. Um, but it really wasn't until I spoke to Ravi Nandan at 824, we were we were catching up. He, you know, kind of full circle uh, in what we're talking about. He was a producer on a very early NBC pilot that I did like you know, 12 years ago. And uh, he was at Scott Armstrong's company, I, I believe at the time. And we had kind of lost touch and uh, grabbed lunch to, to get reacquainted. And I was telling him about the road rage incident and kind of the themes that were there. And he's like, you need to flesh this out. He's like, you mm -hmm. need to like really dig into this. There's something here. So it was really thanks to him that I, I, I felt driven to explore these characters more. And then being friends with Steven, once I started talking to him about it, you know, just so many things opened up and, uh, and bringing Ali on, I mean, having them on as EPs early, uh, it really helped form these characters and and flesh them out uh, in a way that I had never done before in just pitch stage. And mm -hmm. I think that's why 
the industry reacted the way it did to the pitch is because um you know i was able to kind of fully form these characters in a way that i had never done before and so in a tv show that kind of gives you even more more of a runway to kind of explore these do you think if you had this idea or this situation like a decade ago it would have been forced to be a movie like how do you think about those two things um that's a great question uh yeah, I think you're right. I, I I don't know that there would have been an appetite for this uh, a decade ago, um, because it is so it is a long movie, <laughs> and basically, um, uh, and I don't know that. I'm trying to think. I mean, that was 2013. I mean, there were still some shows back then breaking um, the uh, the comedic template. So perhaps, uh, but certainly from an Asian American standpoint, I don't know if there would have been an ap appetite for an all Asian cast a decade ago. Are there some things you're doing like with that in mind? So you worked on Dave. Dave, a lot of episodes talk about race. How do you do? You want to go into those things, or is it more about just getting you know aspects of the culture right? How do you think about some of that, just in terms of like the depth of character? Um, yeah, I, I mean. You know, truthfully, uh, initially, because the real life road rage incident involved a uh, a middle aged white male, uh, there was like a half a day where we entertained maybe like a Stanley Tucci type opposite. Right. right. And as soon as we spent a little bit of time talking about that, it felt very literal. And you have to talk about race if, in the modern era if, if we had gone down that path. And, mm. you know, I really didn't have any interest in that because there's so many other shows that are doing that so well already. Um, and for me, I really, I think, enjoy writing character first, you know, I, I don't like top down, you know, I, I like wanting, like, I have to address identity issues or, you know, things like that. I really just want to lose myself in who is Danny, who is Amy? And, um, you know, oh, Danny probably grew up in the Korean church. Uh, like, what can we do with that? And, you know, uh, Amy probably thinks like checking all the boxes means like marrying into like this like wealthy Japanese high art family. And so it's really more in exploring character first that some of these cultural specificities arise organically mm -hmm. um, versus trying to lead with that. And um, I find that for me that that works best. How do you personally like if you can elaborate more about how you think about characters, do you spend like a bit of time like thinking about the Ali Wong character or are you always thinking about how they're reacting together, how they're playing off each other? Like what's some of your outlining and thought process around that kind of thing? Um, I think initially in, in the, in the early um, days it, there, there really isn't, I'm just kind of, you know, blue sky and just taking wherever my thoughts go. And, and I just, um, trying to think about Danny and his psychology and thinking about people that I've run into or people that I know, or like family members or friends or things that have happened to me that seem to fit his psychology. And then, you know, you just write down a lot of like stuff from real life and you start to start to get a sense. It's almost like this amorphous thing that starts to come together. Um, once you start to really get a sense of who these people are, then you can kind of start to play with, how they might relate to one another. Um, I, I tend to enjoy writing in a very um, kind of songwriting method where uh, tracking 
like the chords of of a story mm-hmm. um you know like the very common chord progression is g e minor c d g you know like so many like uh, you know cheesy pop songs are that but you know like what if you do g e minor g e minor g e minor you do that over and over and you save c d g until the very end that creates a different feeling so i think a lot of the writers room is us drawing graphs and like having rise fall charts and trying to figure out well, what are the chords here that are going to convey the mood that we want and then once you have that foundation then you can kind of start plopping specificities and anecdotes and stories and textures on top of that was it a pretty it sounds like you had the idea and it was a maybe the same idea as what you did in the pitch i'm wondering how much it changed mainly because from a trailer perspective, they're kind of both assholes. If you're thinking about like a road rage incident in this scenario. Um, so I'm just wondering if there was any pushback about, you know, making them more empathetic or something like that, or are we kind of past that today with shows on Netflix? Um, you know, I, uh, there definitely wasn't too much pushback, but I think as writers, we, we wanted to make sure that the audience, um, didn't abandon them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially early on. Uh, you know, even look at a show like Sopranos, they're probably the, the best to ever have done this is you, that pilot. I mean, it is genius to put the ducks in there. <laughs> uh, you, no matter what Tony does, he spends a little bit of time being caring about those ducks. And suddenly you're like, I love this guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, we wanted to make sure similarly that um, for every kind of asshole thing that Amy or Danny does, that we show glimpses of humanity, we show glimpses mm-hmm. of empathy, um, because I think that's true of, of, of anybody, uh, or of, at least of most people in this world is, uh, you know, you catch someone at their worst moment, they're going to look real bad, but, you know, you spend a whole day with them, they're going to eventually have glimpses of, of empathy, you know? Yeah. And do you think of those moments more in like something the character actually does? Because some people would say the ducks are more of like a symbolism. I mean, Tony's very actively doing that. But I'm just curious, do you worry about symbolism or is it all about character when you're writing something like that? Uh, It starts with character. Um, I think after you kind of have most of the, the song constructed, then there's fun and like going back and like, being like, ooh, there might be symbolism here. Let's lean into that a little bit more right. or, or this or that. Uh, but at least the way I worked in the, and the writer's room worked, we, we didn't really like, re, we really didn't think about symbolism until kind of the, much of the foundation was set. Um, what kind of, to kind of go back to the, the showrunner question we talked about earlier, now that you're, you're into this, um, anything that was unexpected, anything that you wish you had maybe thought about more before going into this higher responsibility, I guess. Uh, so many. <laughs> um, I, the thing that catches you off guard is the time. You never have enough time. Um, uh, you, you think you're going to be able to enter production with, uh, you know, with most of the scripts done and you'll, you'll get to the finale and you'll be able to write it during the thing. And, and, <laughs> No, it's 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 very difficult, and um, I think that caught me off guard. Um, I think uh, also 
I mean, there's a lot of ADR in the show that uh, thankfully I don't think people are noticing. Um, uh, uh, there's stuff that I assumed would come through, but didn't. And then there's also stuff that I thought um, uh, wouldn't come through uh, and, and, it, and it did. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that, that the there's a lot of things on the page that on its feet feel different. Um, and that's just, I think, getting more reps in and getting more experience uh, will, will kind of like help that. Um, uh, and I think the other thing is just like the the toll it takes on you physically was really surprising. Like, I mean, I I, I need to go to a doctor because uh, I, I feel like I could feel my insides uh, kind of uh, not doing well. Uh, if you don't have a good routine set with like good diet and uh, like like movement and, and rest, uh, everything really falls apart very quickly. And, and um, I mean, uh, I, I feel like if someone did a before and after, it, it would it would be like Obama preterm and post, you know. <laughs> right. Um... I think we're almost out of time. We'll just do one or two more. Is there, um, you've given a lot of great advice already. If you were kind of trying to, if you were breaking in today or a novice writer today, anything you wish you had done differently or anything you'd do totally differently just because of the way the kind of the market of the job has changed? Um, yeah, I, I really wish I didn't spend so much time trying to be someone that I'm not um, and trying to fit in uh to what others expect um not only from a writing standpoint but from a, a human standpoint because the more you kind of stretch yourself farther from who you are um that is a disconnect you know the, mo the more you have to wear a mask the more performative you have to be uh there that is a dissonance that you're creating inside and if you do that too much um at least for me uh it can it can really lead to like some crippling breakdowns and um i i i wish i could go back and tell the younger me that um that yeah you don't have to do that you're you're okay as you are um um there is only you i mean that's the thing that uh, i i hope younger writers realize is that there's nobody else but you that has your perspective that your life experiences your thoughts um that you're wholly unique and so that is uh really really powerful and so um don't try to mimic someone else's opinions express yours uh because um that it is truly special um and uh yeah that that'd be my main advice Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. 
And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.